0: Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Often, we can miss the God opportunities right in front of us because they appear different than what we expected. Today, special guest, Pastor Jabin Chavez, shares on recognizing God's blessings in this message, Multiply. Let's lean in together.
1: I want to go straight to the scripture, Matthew chapter 25. And... Um... Jesus is telling parables about the kingdom. And so he starts in verse 14 by saying, again, so he's giving us little pictures. Uh, Forgive me, I have a five-year-old daughter. He's giving us little blues clues into, uh, into the kingdom of God, because we live in the kingdom of God. I don't know if you know that. More than you live in America, more than you live in Florida, more than you live in Miami, you live in the kingdom of God. And a lot of times Christians are frustrated and confused about what God is doing in their life because they do not understand the kingdom. And so Jesus, through parables, through stories, gives us little ideas about the kingdom that helps us to understand where we are and how he operates. So he says, again, I want you to understand, this is what the kingdom is like. It's like a man going on a journey who called his servants together and entrusted them with wealth. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. So this is, this is what God does with us and this is how God operates in our life. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. He gained five more. Also the one with two gained two more. But the one who had received only one bag, he went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master Of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness and now the one with the two will do the same thing but now skip to verse 24 the man who had only received one bag of gold he came and said master i knew that you were a hard man now now time out he he has no reason to say that from the first 10 verses that we just read god is not a hard man he's actually very generous come on talk back to me a little bit he's kind he entr- he's he's trusting he's patient he He's, he's, he's so good to us. And yet this man has the wrong picture of Jesus. See, uh, A.W. Tozer said that what you think about God is the most important thing about you because your theology will create your lifestyle. So he goes, he goes Lord, I knew, you were, I knew you were a hard man. Verse 25, so I was afraid I went and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Now, now notice this. Jesus gives him one bag of gold. He gives it back to him, one bag of gold. And here is the reply of the master, verse 26. You wicked, lazy servant. Whoa, okay. So it wasn't like, Lord, he gave me a bag of gold. I went to Vegas. I was feeling lucky. I put it all on black. I thought, my bad. No, that that isn't what it was. I got caught up in an NFT scam and I lost all the... No, that's not what it was. It was just because see there is no neutral in the kingdom we, we got to understand how the kingdom works so so he he gives it back to him the way that he received it and the lord says that that's wicked and lazy you knew I harvest where I have not sown you knew I gather where I have not scattered seed well then you should have you could have at least put the money on deposit you could have put it with the bankers and got some interest so take this bag of gold give it to the one with 10 bags for whoever has will be given more Whoever does not have, even what they have. See, this is a mentality. He did have, but even if he, what they do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And now throw this worthless servant outside into darkness. Now, there's a great theologian named Warren Wiersbe who tells us that this darkness is not hell, but it is a place outside of the will of God it's a place of ignorance it's a place where they're not fulfilling the call and the purposes of God for their life they're they're going to heaven but they're not bringing heaven to earth they're 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 saved but they're not walking in their calling so they end up living in a place of darkness and torment and friend that is not the will of God for anybody in this room, anybody watching, anybody online, that is not the will of God to live in a place of darkness and ignorance, but in a place of light and revelation where we are fulfilling the purpose of God for our life. Amen? Is that where you're gonna be? That's where I'm gonna be. So I wanna, I wanna talk from this idea today because I think, I think the Holy Spirit has something for us. I wanna talk about multiply, multiply, multiply. Look at your neighbor, whoever's better looking. Tell them, multiply, 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 multiply. All right, look at your second choice. Come on, tell them, multiply, multiply, multiply. If I was to to ask you, what, what was God's first commandment to his first man, Adam? Most of you would say, well, God's first commandment was don't eat from the tree. But that wasn't God's first commandment. And that's actually important because if you think God's first word to his first man was no, there's always gonna be a separation in your relationship with God. God's first word to his first man was not no. Imagine that, I have a a five-year-old daughter. Her name is Goldie Ray Chavez. I love her so much. I forgot to send a picture, but she's beautiful. Go on my Instagram, it's basically all her. Imagine if, if, if the nurses would have handed me my little five-year-old and, and my first words to her were, no. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what you're planning. I don't know what you're conniving. No. And stop crying. No. Imagine. Those nurses would take her away as quickly as they gave her to me. No, no. Those were not my first words to my daughter. And those were not God's first words to you. Here's, here's God's first word to us. Then God Bless them. This is how God starts the conversation. I bless you. We're gonna talk about daddy issues next week. You just gotta understand right now, our God is good and he is kind and he blesses his people. God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish in the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. See, if Adam would have obeyed God's first command, he would have never been tempted with God's second command. If Adam would have walked in God's yes, he would have never even had to dealt with God's no. If Adam would have been busy being fruitful and multiplying and subduing, he would have never even been tempted with the tree. He would have been, he would have been too fulfilled, too excited about kingdom work. So when Eve would have said, hey, babe, come over here. I just met this snake named Louie. He wants to tell us something. Adam would have said, honey, excuse me. And he would have stomped on that snake. And he would have said, get out of my garden. But because he was not doing what God called him to do, he was open to the lies of the enemy. Huh. See, you gotta understand that rest is a weapon, but boredom is a killer, and only wisdom can discern the difference. And there's a lot of you, I believe in rest, I love rest, but some of you are just bored. Like, sometimes I'm just too busy to mess up my life. I'm just doing too much for the kingdom. I'm staying rested, I'm staying connected to friends and family, and I'm doing the kingdom work, and therefore, I don't have the time to listen to the lies and the temptations of the devil because I'm doing what God first called me to do, which is to be fruitful and to multiply and to subdue. So you got to understand that the reason God put Adam and Eve in a garden is because we're in a garden. Your life is a garden. Within your garden is opportunity, and within your garden is temptation. Within your garden, you can walk with God in the cool of the day and have relationship with your father in the garden is an enemy that's trying to lie to you and to deceive you. Within your garden is the knowledge of, of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. Within the garden, I can obey God and be fruitful and multiply and do everything God's called me to do, but within that garden is an enemy that's trying to get me out of the garden. Your life is a garden. Your marriage is a garden. Your singleness is a garden. Your business is a garden. Your mind, your heart, your soul is a garden. Your spirit is a garden. And what does a garden need? It needs attention. You've gotta govern your garden. You've gotta multiply in your garden. You've gotta till and work and sow in your garden. You have to defend your garden. You have to kick snakes out of your garden. Come on, somebody. So my life, your life, our life, is a garden of opportunity where things can grow and multiply. There is opportunity all around you, but many times we miss it. So, so with all that being said, let me just give you a few things from the text. Number one, God is a giver. God is a giver. God is a, God is a giver. He, he gave to them and entrusted to them his wealth. One of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible, maybe the most famous verse, God so loved that he gave. That's how God's gonna do everything in your life. Jabin, how does God operate in my life? He loves you and he gives to you. Jabin, how's God gonna move in my life? He loves you and he's gonna give to you. Jabin, how how does God respond to us? How does God work with us? How does God meet with us? He loves us and he gives to us. And a lot of you right now, because I can, I, can, I can see your little thought bubbles above your head right now, you're going, he, don't, he ain't giving me nothing, bro. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> he might love me, but he hasn't given me anything. And this, this is where we miss it. Because what he gives to us, most of the time we do not recognize. Okay, okay. Here's why we don't recognize. We're talking about the kingdom, right? We're talking about the kingdom? Talking about the kingdom, right? Here's what Jesus said about the kingdom in Mark chapter four, verse 26 in the message. Jesus said, God's kingdom is like seed. God's kingdom is like seed. And the reason most of us miss the kingdom is because it comes in a form and in a package we do not recognize. It's not big and impressive and, It doesn't. It doesn't show up like Air Force One with with black SUVs and red carpets and pomp and circumstance. It it shows up in seed. It doesn't look like Buckingham Palace. It doesn't look like state capitals. It when the kingdom shows up in our life, it shows up in seed form. The work of God always begins smaller than expected. So we, we, we often miss what God is doing and we often miss what God is giving because it comes in a package we do not recognize. We're praying for harvest, God's giving us seed. We're praying for the full manifestation and God says, I never start big, I always start small. Uh, okay, okay. Children of I love my own preaching sometimes, sorry. Sometimes I say things, I go, I like this. <laughs> Not always, but I do right now. I was that little giggle. Um, so, so, so children of Israel, they, they, they get delivered from Egypt, right? And after a couple of weeks, just a couple of weeks, just a couple of weeks, they go, Moses, we are tired of this diet. We're tired of what God's feeding us. We're tired of this keto diet that the Lord has us on in the wilderness. We are done, amen. We are done with this. We need bread and we need it now. And all the carb lovers said amen to this. So so Moses says, let me go talk to God. So he goes talks to God and God says, you know what? You tell them, there'll be bread in the morning. There's gonna be bread in the morning and they all rejoice just like we do. Right, we go to Cheesecake Factory, the bread comes out. Oh, hey, thanks Sally. We cheer for the bread. I do. There's always a clap. Thanks. But then I have to touch it because it's got to be warm. Because if it's not warm, I send it back. Okay, so so, um, so they rejoice. We're going to have bread in the morning. We're going to have bread. Yes. Well, they wake up, they wake up in the morning, and, and, and here's what Exodus 16.31 says. They said they called the food manna. They called the food manna because it was white like seed. Wait a minute, like seed? We, we prayed for bread, God. They thought they were gonna wake up the next morning to stacks of hot pita bread. And they, they, they thought it was gonna come fully formed and they, they wake up the next morning and they go, they go, manna. Moses, we were clear, right? We asked for bread, right? God, you know what I prayed for, right? You, you know what I asked for, right? Lord, I, is, there, is, there a bar- is there a language barrier here? I, I, I said bread, right? Lord, we prayed for bread and you gave us what looks like seed. M- manna. See, manna is not an English word. Manna is a Hebrew word and it's a phrase. And it means, this is what manna means. Manna means, what is it? Lord, I prayed I prayed for bread, Jesus. What is it? Lord, I thought I married the girl in my dreams and I woke up this morning and I said, <laughs> manna. <laughs> I thought I got my dream job and now I'm going, what is it? And I thought, I thought I made it. I moved to Miami and now manna and I thought, I thought I found I thought I found the right church, but now manna and I. They called it manna because it looked like seed. Why? Because they were to take that manna, they were to gather it, they were to take it home, they were to meal it, they were to turn it into flour, and then they were to bake it and turn it into bread. God don't make bread. God gives seed, and he calls us to make bread. He calls us, can I preach a little bit right now? Some of you are wondering, what is it? God, what are you doing in my life? God, what are you doing? I I thought I was very clear, and God goes, I don't make bread, I make seed, and then it is up to you. God, that's why God calls us to bear fruit because he gives us it in seed form and then we have to multiply it and work it and till it and grow it and then bear it. Huh. A lot of us are missing what God is doing in our life because he gave it to us in seed form. So here's what I've learned about my own life. This is not gonna, this is gonna not be super exciting, but here we go. God usually answers our prayers with ideas, instructions, and commands. Ugh. Only the campus pastor said anything, cause he has to, cause he's gotta keep it, Adrian's gotta keep it going. He's like, it's great pastor. Come on guys, front row. Because, no, 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 it's too late. Because we don't like that. We don't like that. Because we want, we want, God usually answers our prayers with miracles. Fully formed bread. No, nope. it usually comes in ideas and instructions. and command. It usually comes with like this. Lord, fix my husband. He crazy Jesus. He crazy Jesus. Well, okay, yeah. You know, you know, every time I prayed for someone else, for God to fix them, God's corrected me. Yeah. I'm not saying that for you. I'm just saying in my life, every time I pray, God, fix them, change them, help them. God goes, well, let's talk about you, bro, maybe. Lord, we need a miracle. We need this to happen. And then manna. God usually answers my prayers with instructions and ideas and commands and and if I would steward that and plant that and water that and grow that, maybe God could do something amazing with my life. It just starts small. I believe that there are many answers to many prayers in the room online at our location in correctional facilities. There are many prayers right now and there are many answers. The, the problem is we're missing the answers because they've appeared in seed form. Don't, don't miss what God's doing in your life right now just because it came in a package you do not recognize. It is time to stop looking here and it is time to start going, okay, what, what's... Now, there's a big life for you. Don't don't get it twisted. There's a big life for you. It just starts a lot smaller than you think. Number two, you must steward whatever he trusts you with. He gave some five, he gave some two, he gave some one, but you must steward that. The, The man with five, the Bible says, he immediately put it to work. Look at your neighbor around you. Tell him, get to work, get to work, get to work. He he immediately put it to work. He took the God opportunity and he worked it. To be a steward is a person responsible for the goods of another. I am responsible for the goods of another. Think about this, God gave to them with a desired outcome. He didn't tell them what the outcome should be, but he did expect an outcome. The master never told them what to do with their opportunity, yet he had an expectation. Well, you know, if God would just, if God would just talk to me, then I would just, know what can you multiply right now in your life? What can you steward? What can you work right now? He, he never told them what to do, and yet he had a clear expectation. And some of you go, well, Javen, I don't think that's fair. I, I'm just, this is how the kingdom works. So, so fair or not, or, or make sense or not, I'm just telling you a lot, of, there's a lot of frustrated Christians because they, they don't understand how the kingdom, this is what I have and I've got to do something with it. So now don't feel the pressure to define the harvest. Let me just say this real quick. Okay, you, you don't have to do that, God does that. The, the scripture says it like this, some sow, some water, God gives the increase. So it is not your responsibility to define the increase, but it is your responsibility to sow and to water. And then whatever God does with your life, awesome. But we have to be faithful with the sowing and the watering. Okay, so so here's stewardship to me. Stewardship is all about trading what you want now (laughs) for what you want most. Okay, now I want to leave that up for just a second because I want you to think about it. The younger you are, the harder that is. Let me see, thirty and under, thirty and under, thirty and under. Okay, yeah. So that's really hard for you. It's it's getting easier for me at thirty eight. It's getting easier for me because what I want now and what I want most are getting closer together. But but when you're young, when you're real young, I remember being young. I remember being in my twenties. It was great. What you want now is not what you want most. But stewardship decides that I'm gonna live my life for what I want most, not what I want now. And let me just remind you, you don't have to act out on every impulse of what you want now. You know, I I have a dog. And if I put any kind of food in front of that dog, he will eat it. Because he's a dog. He's completely controlled by appetite. And before we fixed him, he assaulted our entire house. Anything that he could, anything that he could snuggle with. Can we keep it G at the 9 a.m.? Amen? Can we keep it G right now? Anything that he could, he would. Because he's a dog. He acted out on every impulse of what he wanted right now. Can I just remind you, you're not a dog. You're not an animal. You are the Imago day. You're made in the image of God, which means you have vision. You don't have to just go off of everything you want right now or everything. You don't have to act on every lust. You don't have to act on every appetite. You don't have to act on every desire that, that, that you have, but you can actually live from a place of vision. You can actually live from a place of, I know this is what I want now, but I also know what I want most, and they're not in line, so I'm gonna take the decision to do what I want most. You get to do that. So I just, I wanna set you free. You don't have to act out, but I'm tempted. I know, I know you're tempted, but you don't have to act out on that. So let's just talk about a few things really practically. Um, in your finances, what do you want most? Not, not what do you want now, because what you want now is bling and stuff and the latest and the greatest. And most of what you want now is, is depreciating. So what do you want most? I'll tell you what you want most, I think, because it's what I want most. We want financial freedom. We want wealth for the next generation. So what that means is that what I want now, I don't get now, because what I want most is what I want for my daughter. I know the kind of wedding she's gonna want, hello, because I know her mother. (laughs) I know the kind of gift I'm gonna wanna give her and her husband. I know the kind of future I wanna pass on to them. So I don't get to always make decisions on what I want now. Because what I want now is just junk. But what I want most is financial freedom for her. What I want most is to decide her education. I might, we might wanna homeschool her. We might wanna put her in private school. We might, I just want the freedom. That's what, that's what money is about. Money is not about stuff. It's about choices. That means I have to steward well what God gives me. Let's talk about your marriage. What do you want want most? See, because when you're fighting and when you're frustrated, what you want now is relief. Usually in the form of divorce. You want relief, but what you want most is a legacy. What you want most is a testimony. What you want most is to fight for your family. Now, I'm not saying divorce can never happen. I'm not saying that sometimes it needs to end. I'm not saying that. But what I'm just saying is in just the grit and grind of, for, for us, 16 years of marriage. We actually have the same anniversary as, as uh, the Wilkerson. So um, after 16 years of marriage, there's just times we want relief. But I know what I want most so I was talking to a preacher on Saturday, a preacher, and he's, I'm so mad at my wife. I'm so hurt with my wife. I hate my wife. I wanna, I wanna leave. I want out. I want, I want done. And I said, bro, you guys gotta go to counseling. You have to go to counseling. He goes, we're in counseling. I said, what? <laughs> I said, are you telling your wife and your counselor what you're telling me? He said, oh, no way, bro. That'll just be. Because <laughs> what he wants now is just relief. And he knows that if he got honest, it's going to be more work. And I said, but you've got to make a decision for what you want most. And what you want most means that there's going to be some necessary conflict right now for what you want most. Am I helping anybody? What do you, what do you want most? I'll just go with one more. What about your relationships? What about at work? I'm talking about people that do not know Jesus. Are you stewarding? Those relationships with people that do not know Christ yet. Do people know you're a Christian? Do, do people you work with that you see five days a week, do they know where you are right now? Have they been invited to church? Have you brought them back to church? Have you told them, hey, uh, can I pray? I know you're going through a rough thing, right? Can I pray for you? I know that's weird, but can I pray for you? Hey, why don't you come to church with me on Sunday? Well, are you stewarding those relationships? Do people know you're a believer? Have, have, do, do people know what you know? Do people know that you've found hope in Christ? Have, do people know that, that every Sunday they can come with you to church and be lifted up and you can invite them to church? And well, what do I gotta bring? And how do I have to dress? And, no, no, don't worry about any of that. Just come. We'll go to brunch after. Dress for brunch. Don't dress for church. <laughs> you gotta be a steward. Well, are people gonna think I'm a religious fanatic? No, they're not. People gonna think I'm weird because I go to church? No, they're not. So invite them, steward your opportunities, bring people to church. Church does not grow simply because of great lighting and great sound and great series. Church grows because believers get a passion for lost people. Yeah. Say amen, somebody. And churches grow when you don't put all the responsibility on Pastor Rich to grow the church. But you decide to grow the church. We're just talking about stewarding. What are you currently doing with your current opportunity? What are you currently doing with your current opportunity? Lastly, you got to know this because we're, we're talking about stewarding the kingdom. We're talking about multiplying. Little becomes much. You just gotta know this little becomes much. Do not be discouraged right now with where you're at. Little becomes much. The the master said, you've been faithful with a few things. I'm gonna put you in charge of many things. The old King James says it like this. You were faithful in the little. I love that, in the little. Because we don't like the little, we like big. We post big things on Instagram, we we talk about big, we talk about big vision, but you have, you have to learn how to be faithful in the little. Imagine if that became your confession. Man, how you doing? Well, you know, good right now. I'm just in the little right now, but it's, but I'm killing the little. Oh, I know I got a big dream. I know I got a big vision. I know I'm gonna do big things for God, but right now I'm just doing little things. I'm loving it. But, but that's not, that's not spectacular, but It's awesome. And though we don't like the little, we will only enjoy the much if we steward the moment of the little. Like if, if God answered every prayer you're praying today, it would crush you. Lord, make me a millionaire, Jesus. You're not even going to work on time yet, bro. How are you gonna steward millions of dollars? Lord, give me a man. Jesus, you're not even a good friend yet. You're still gossipy and catty and mean to your... Don't talk about the ladies. (laughs) Give me a wife, Lord. Bro, you're still mean and sarcastic and insecure. You gotta learn how to be faithful in the little. You gotta learn how to steward the little. You gotta learn how to steward the season you're in so that when God does increase you, you actually enjoy it. Look what, look what God says about the little Zechariah 4, 10. Do not despise these small beginnings. Don't make light of them, don't dishonor them, don't treat them with contempt. Don't roll your eyes at them. Don't shrug your shoulders at them. Don't talk down to them. Don't speak evil of them. Don't despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices. What what should I be doing right now in this season? Rejoicing. What should I be doing right now while I'm believing for God to manifest what what he's promised me? Rejoice. Rejoice. What should I be doing when I still have not seen the fruit of my Rejoice. What should I be doing right now in in a sowing season, in a seed season? You should be rejoicing. I know it's small to you, but it's not small to God, because God knows the power of what the seed will produce. I can count the seeds in this apple, but I cannot count the apples in the seed. So I know I look like this right now, but God sees an orchard. I know I'm not impressive to you right now, but but God sees a harvest. I know just waking up and going to church and waking up, reading your Bible, waking up, inviting someone to church, waking up, praying your prayers, doing, honoring your family, loving your I kids. Know, I know none of that looks big, but there's an orchard inside of the seed. There's a harvest inside of the seed. I know that, I know you don't feel appreciated at work right now, but there's a harvest inside of the seed. I know your boss isn't giving you a compliment, but there's a harvest inside of the seed. I know it doesn't look great right now, but there's a harvest inside of the See, See, that one man got one bag of gold and hid it because he did not value it. And I think there's a lot of people, and God's given you one thing, and you're, you're looking over at everyone else going, well, they got five bags. and Well, they, he got two bags. He got four bags. And, well, if I had their family, if, well, if I looked like him, Jesus, well, if I looked like Pastor Rich, Jesus, I'd be more anointed, Jesus, if I looked like well, if I had their parents, well, if I lived on in that side of town, well if, I, well, if I had that family, well, if I had their job, well, if I had, well if, well, if I could meet them, well, if I could just meet them, well, if I could just connect with them, well, if I could just... Wow. And you're dishonoring the one thing God gave you. You're, you're so obsessed with everyone else's opportunity that you've ignored your own opportunity. He despised the smallness of his opportunity. <laughs> we see seed, God sees potential. Let me, I'll just end with, I'll just end with this last thing. Um, e- Elisha enters into a town and a woman meets him in 2 Kings 4 and uh, her husband had died and left her with debt. And back in in those times, if if you had unpaid debt, the the debt collectors could not only take your your possessions, but they could actually take your family and put them into slavery. And so she needs a miracle. She needs a financial miracle, okay? And many people in this room, you, you know what you're believing God for. Look what the prophet says. What can I do to help you? And I think her first response would have been I want money. I need money. I need money now. Javen pray for me. I need this now. Tell me what do you have? <laughs> I know what you don't have, but what do you have? Stop ignoring what you do have. Stop talking about what you're missing. What do you have? Stop talking about what you're believing for. What do you have? Stop talking about what you're lacking. What do you have? I love her response. It's so real. And it would be a lot of our responses at times. Nothing. I got nothing. And I think at this moment, in my, in my little sanctified imagination, I think Elisha and her had a Holy Ghost stare off. And I think he, I think he went Nothing. Like, you don't got nothing? I don't got nothing. Nothing? Nothing. I'm not talented. I don't come from the right family. I have a bad past. I have this, I have that. I got nothing. Nothing? Like, you don't have any? Like, nothing, nothing. And I think at this moment, I think she starts going, oh, no. I've seen this dude call down fire. I better I better say something. Well, I've, I've got... um. I got, a, I got a little flask of olive oil. I got, like, I guess I got something. Perfect, perfect, perfect. That's all you need. You don't need enough. You just need something. Actually, God specializes in the not enough. Well, if I just had more, you don't need more. You just need what you got. But it's not enough. It's never going to be enough you're never gonna feel like you have enough to do what God's called you to do. So get used to that and get comfortable being uncomfortable and now steward what you do have. And, it, and Elisha gives her a command and she begins to do it and she begins to obey it and the flow begins to happen and the, the curse is broken and they are able to pay off the debts. And She didn't have enough. Remember, you remember the boy that had five loaves and two fish? And Jesus is gonna feed 20,000 people. I don't know if you know this yet. Um, You cannot feed 20,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. You can't. Unless you place them into the hands of Jesus. This is not enough to do what God's called me to do. Unless I give it back to God. And then God takes my not enough and he gives it back to me, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and all of a sudden little becomes much in the hands of the master. I want you to forget about everybody else. I want you to forget about what everyone else is doing. I want you to forget about the bigness of what you're believing for. And can we just get back to stewarding the very thing God has called us to do? And multiply that work, that steward, that be joyful with that, be it, rejoice over that. And as God grows your life, it's great, but it's not nearly as meaningful. And it's not nearly as grand as just the day-to-day stewardship of what God's called you to do. In Jesus' name. Can I get an amen from somebody?
0: Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to him, we wanna create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you wanna say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com online. We love you.